And good evening, one and all, and welcome to the Exxon. My name is Rob McConnell, and for the next three hours, I am your host. I am your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the Exxon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And we come to you Monday through Friday from 11 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern. Right here live and around the world on the Exxon Broadcast Network, our broadcast affiliates, our satellite programming providers, and of course on TalkStream Live. If you'd like to send us an email, Exxon at ExxonRadioTV.com on all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV, and our website where you find out what's going on, has been going on, and what we're kind of up to in the future at www.exxonradio.com. Before I get to my first guest tonight, Brandon Callahan, just a reminder about this weekend's programming here on the Exxon Broadcast Network from 6 until 7 Eastern Saturday and Sunday. High Tech with Corey K. from 7 p.m. until 9 p.m. Eastern Saturday and Sunday. Uh, the Science of Magic with Wilda Wiecka. And then the premiere of our new show, that is going to be airing Saturday nights and Sunday nights from 9 p.m. until 10 p.m. A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall. And, and uh, from 10 until 2, Saturday and Sunday, 10 p.m. until 2 a.m. The Exxon with yours truly, Rob McConnell. Well, what a fun-packed weekend we have. And, of course, during the day we have uh, Dimension X. Um, let me see, what else do we have? X-1, Space Patrol, and other great features that you will not hear on other radio stations. Brandon Callahan is my guest for this hour. We're going to be talking to Brandon about ghost hauntings, things that go bump in the night, and evil. He is the author of The House Where Evil Lurks, and he was born and raised in Kansas City, Missouri. Brandon has traveled the world while serving in the United States Air Force and works to develop new theories with existing ones in the paranormal field to allow for more knowledge and the ability to assist those in need. Brandon Callahan grew up in an insational, with an insatiable desire to learn everything he could about Anything mysterious. Boy, I should have got him to well, you know, work on my mother-in-law. That was really mysterious. Uh, he has, he's been actively investigating paranormal activity in the field for many years and has developed a method of tracking potential hotspots locations throughout the world. Paranormal investigator, author, and aspiring filmmaker, he's the founder and co-founder of multiple paranormal investigation teams, and Brandon offers assistance to those in need and constantly seeks the truth, which is admirable. You know, not a lot of people do that these days. Brandon searches for unique locations and stories to share with the world, and on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Callahan author. And Brandon, welcome back to the X-Zone. Great having you with us tonight. Thanks, Rob. I appreciate it. How are you doing? You know what, Brandon? I'm doing pretty good tonight. I am doing really good. Good. Yeah. So, so t- you know, uh, the paranormal. Before we go on, I must say that since you were on last time, we've, you know, we've just had a floodgate of new listeners and new affiliates, and uh, this is really exciting because 
the paranormal is is a field that so many people are are showing so much interest in these days. And I believe that what we need more of are people like you, Brandon, who have a serious desire not only to investigate the paranormal, but to help those who are having experiences with the paranormal. Because I, I, I'm sure, based on the people I've talked to over the many years, there are, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people out there who are having these experiences, but they just don't know what to do. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You're you're absolutely right. I mean, there's always been a stigma to the whole thing, and mm-hmm. so with that comes a lot of judgment and skepticism, um, and an unwillingness to come forward by people. You know, they're right. afraid of what people might think. Um, and what I do my best to do, and and I think what any investigator out there should do is mm-hmm. to, you know, not be there to judge. Um, you're, you're there to try to determine what may be going on and, and if there is a possibility of finding some sort of solution. Brandon, based on your experience, what is the number one cause in someone's life that would incite or attract paranormal activity? Um, that's a good question. I mean, there's a lot of theories about something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, I could, you know, I, I tend to try to speak more from a personal level, you know, my experiences, um, as opposed to just generally, because, you know, I, I have a hard time really figuring out exactly, you know, what somebody's life path might have done or yeah. or crossed in order to to maybe make them susceptible to certain things. Um, but in my opinion, I think, you know, any kind of, uh, you know, certain types of trauma, um, any types of life changing or altering experiences, um, you know, it it really, and I think people can create their own energy as well, or at least beg for a certain type of energy, Mm. I guess is one way to put it. Um, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people really tend to dwell on a negative of sorts, and I think that can have a tendency to draw that kind of energy towards you as well. When you and the teams that you've helped bring together go out to do an investigation, somebody calls you up and says, hey, Brandon, we just got a call from, uh, from Rob McConnell, and, and, he, and he's having paranormal activity in his house. From the moment you and your team get that call, what happens? What goes into play? Um, well, I, you know, at first, I, I think the first thing is, uh, just from initial contact, mm-hmm. uh, my first goal is to determine whether or not I feel, or that the family feels, that they are, whether they are in any sort of physical danger or not. Um, anytime that there's kids involved, of course, you know, that tends to, you know, move things along a little bit quicker. Um, just because I've, I, I have, I have five kids of my own, um, and, you know, having kids living in fear, you know, being an adult and understanding a little bit more about the world is one thing, not that, you know, not that living in a home where you don't know what's going to happen next is any better when you're an adult, but, you know, just putting myself in a child's shoes, uh, the 
how terrifying something like that would be. I was lucky enough to never have experiences that of that nature when I was a kid. Um, but I, I certainly, I certainly try to do as much as I can as quickly as I can, especially when there's kids involved. But really, uh, the main thing is is just getting a gauge on the situation, trying to figure out if if you know one of the main things that I look for is to to try to figure out whether or not the people that are calling me have already seemed to have determined exactly what's going on because that can tell me if they're looking for validation or if they are pushing maybe an agenda of sorts um, mm-hmm. you know it, it, there, there's a there's a an honesty to it you know when there's an initial contact uh, at least the the original conversation that you know tends to be very interesting and I try to read people um, I, I, I don't judge them but I try to read them and so sometimes that allows me to you know help gauge maybe the severity of the situation just looking for keywords or or certain types of uh, behaviors things of that nature and so I think you know over the years of experience having worked in more and more houses um, you know so, something like that becomes a little bit easier to gauge I think I, I agree and by the way five children we have six so I know exactly what you're talking about yeah yeah <laughs> it, and so you know when if one of them were to come to me and say dad I think maybe you brought your work home with you yeah yeah, I've got to take immediate action, you know, and, and that's why I try to I try to be as careful as I can when I'm out in the field because I, I, I have been followed home before, mm. and it's not a pleasant thing. Um, and so I, I do. I try to protect myself, and I try to protect my house, and certainly I'll do anything that I need to do to protect my children, absolutely. Of course you will. Are, are children more susceptible to the paranormal than adults? You know, a lot of people will say that. Yeah. Um, I personally haven't gathered enough information, like, personally. Um, I mean, you can read all the statistics and the theories and the books and everything else, um, but personally, I can't say that I've necessarily had that. I, I couldn't say that. No. no I, 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 I think maybe they could be, because I think as a child, your imagination tends to be a little bit more open. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that it could be a, an invitation for spiritual activity or certain types of energy to sort of kind of latch on. Um, whereas as adults, you know, we're worried about paying bills, we're worried about going to work tomorrow and everything else. Um, and so I think we tend to kind of shut those things out, which I think builds on that natural skepticism as adults too. You know, most adults, as they should, they, you know, they should basically say, well, I don't believe in this unless I see it. Um, which is a good approach to take, which is the approach I attempt to take. Um, but kids, you know, their imagination is going to run wild. But I, I, I can't say that I've gathered enough personal information um, in the work that I've done that would really have me tell you a definitive, I agree with that, because I, I just haven't. Explanation. My guest this hour is Brandon Callahan. His Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash Callahan author. Brandon, if a person is on either prescribed or uh, recreational drugs or have, have a tendency to indulge in alcohol, would this, would this affect their, their likelihood to uh, be brought into the world of the paranormal? Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I think it could have an effect. I mean, you're, you're talking about mind-altering 
things. Yeah. You know, you're talking about, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen a person be very kind, very normal, mm-hmm. very outgoing, but when you get a few drinks in them, they turn into a different person. You know, the, there's just a darkness yeah. there that tends to come out. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, I have had that problem myself in the past where I would become a completely different person. And I think, especially when I started investigating and kind of, I guess, seeking out this typically darker energy that you're called in to take a look at, it, it'll it feed off of that weakness. It'll feed off of that, that built-in darkness. And if there's drugs involved, if there's alcohol involved or you know, whatever the case might be, I think absolutely it can have an effect. I mean, as a matter of fact, I, I, I truly, I truly do believe that in many cases, you know, there is a medical diagnosis that people obtain for one reason or another, whether it be multiple personality disorder or, or bipolar disorder or something to that effect. I don't Mm -hmm. believe that that's 100% scientific. I, I think in a lot of, I think in a lot of instances, it can be very spiritual. I, that that brings a, up an excellent point, Brandon. How does one's own spiritual beliefs um, either help or hinder when it comes to investigating, as you and your teams would, into their paranormal activity? Well, in in a lot of ways, they're one and the same because you know we we call it faith, you know, we, we go to church or, you know, whatever we might do, depending on whatever your faith is, um, you know, we, we would read a Bible or a Koran or whatever it might be. Uh, and you have faith that, that these words hold some sort of meaning and some sort of power that is a, a protective and loving thing. And when you're investigating the paranormal, you don't have absolute answers. You know, I don't care who it is out there that's been investigating in the field for however many years. I hear the word expert thrown around in the paranormal field way too often, simply because you're not an expert. You just aren't. You do not have definitive, absolute answers. It's as simple as that. And and so to to go around calling yourself an expert or whatever it might be, yeah, you might know a lot. You know, you, you might study a lot. You might have experienced a lot, but, you know, I've seen people that have been investigating for 20-plus years that don't have a clue. And I've seen people that have been doing it for three or four years that have an incredible handle on mm-hmm. it, and they develop incredible theories. And so I think, I think the difference is, is again, you, you put your faith in something that you believe is, is more of a protective agent, and, and I think there's power to that. You know, whether we're right or wrong, whether sure. your particular religion is, is right or wrong, um, I think I think our minds are so powerful that, that we can make it right. You know, we, we can we can make that faith matter. And and truly I, I believe that my faith does. I believe that it protects me a great deal. Um, and so I, I think I think they kinda go hand in hand in a way. I agree with you hundred percent. Um are women more susceptible to the paranormal or men? Or would you say it's 50-50 or really has nothing to do with the, uh, with the gender of the person? Um, well, I, I can say, I can say that the, the, 
the most intense cases that I've worked um, with people have involved men. Um, and I don't know if that's a power thing. I don't know, you know, if, if something feels the need to mark its territory, so to speak, um, if, it's, if it's a man. As a matter of fact, one, one example I'll go back to, I, I worked with a gentleman up in Nebraska uh, for a few months, and he's a professional UFC fighter. I mean, this is one of the baddest dudes you will ever meet in your mm-hmm. entire life. Yeah. I mean, he's you know six foot five and two hundred thirty pounds of pure muscle and Ooh. just a bad Ooh. man. And he was terrified of his own home. And you know, and so I think I think in a way these things have a tendency to you know manifest themselves in a way to where depending on the strength of it, it, it can just have that big of an effect. So I guess what I'm saying is I think anybody can be susceptible to this type of energy, but I also think that depending on all the factors that go into play, you, you know, it could vary in the strength of it. Um, as far as the females go, you know, I think, I think we can pretty well say, um, you know, just physiologically we're very different creatures, um, and you know women do go through natural progressions of you know emotional changes sure. physical changes and things like that and i and i think those changes can certainly have an effect and and can certainly um be able to draw in you know whether it's negative energy or whatever the case might be um but yeah i i i, I can't say that I, I would decide that one would be more susceptible than another um but i think there are ways to determine the origination of it. Um, what do you believe, based on your experience here, that is the number one? Uh, the number one. How can I best phrase this? The number one ability that a person would have that would make them a good paranormal investigator. Um, well, I, I think, I think you have to have a level of skepticism as we kind of touched on. Um, at the same time, I I think as far as an ability, a, a physical ability would, would probably be to leave, leave all the baggage at home, you know, of your everyday life, of your stresses and everything else and be able to become in tune with your physical surroundings to the point where, you know, I, I, and I've, I've had to develop this over the years. I mean, I certainly didn't have these, you know, these, I guess you'd call them abilities in the beginning. Um, but at this point in time, I feel like nine times out of ten, I can walk into a building or a house or wherever it might be, and I can tell, I just can tell if something is out of place. You know, I can't tell you what it is. I can't tell you that it's dangerous. I can't tell you why. Um, but I can tell you that something just doesn't feel right. And, and I think developing, you know, allowing yourself to develop those types of, um, I, I guess, abilities, um, mm-hmm. I think that would be the key thing. All right. Um... I don't know why that kept on doing that, but I apologize. 
And by the way, yes. uh, you mentioned the house where evil lurks. Yes. Um, the Agony That Remains is now available everywhere. Uh, it's my second book. Super. I was going to get to that on the other side of the break because I, I want to... Uh, I'd like to look at this more based on your experience, and I understand that is only, you know, what you can work on. Um, but just yeah. getting just getting back to uh, to the 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 criteria for a paranormal investigator as you see it, mm-hmm. what would be your number one turnoff with someone who is coming to you to say, "Hey, listen, Brandon, I'd like to be part of uh, one of your paranormal teams." And you do an interview, I'm sure. And what would be the number one turnoff? Oh, I, I, you know, I see it. I see it so often. Um, demonstrative people, just people that, it, it, whether you call it ego or, you know, just being judgmental or whatever it might be. I, I mm-hmm. think there's a very clear distinguishing factor about a person and, and I, I do credit myself for being a pretty good judge of character pretty quickly um, I, I've proven myself correct many times um, and but but you know there's a lot of people out there that do this that claim that they're out there to help others and everything else when frankly all they're in it for is themselves and they carry some sort of chip on their shoulder around with them. They, they look at someone like me as either competition or the enemy. Um, you know, that is the exact wrong way to approach this. Um, none of us should be at each other's throats. None of us should be judging each other. Um, th- this, this is why I really kind of keep to myself and my work. Um, I don't do a lot of conferences. I don't really, you know try to go out and collect as many Facebook likes from the paranormal world as I can get and everything else just simply because I, I truly feel like my work can stand on its own and, and you know, having developed these theories that kind of leads me in the right direction, I don't have to go knocking on doors for investigations. Um, and so, you know, it, there, there's just a personality thing. And, and, you know, to someone... I guess pretty experienced. It's it's pretty easy to see. It's it's there's something to a person that there is an arrogance about them, you know, where there is an automatic. I have all the answers, or whatever it might be. I would say a level of selflessness is something that has to be very apparent right up front, and and if if that's not very apparent, that is a huge red flag, and so to me that's. Mm-hmm. That's probably the number one thing to look for. All right, Brandon, you and I have to take a short break. Please stand by. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. Uh, when we come back, Exo Nation, we'll be talking to Brandon about uh, two books, The House Where Evil Lurks and the new book that he has released now, The Agony That Remains. Brandon Callahan is our special guest, www.facebook.com forward slash Callahan. Author. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. Brandon and I return on the other side of this short break. So whatever you do, do not, I, I, I mean, do not go away. This is Kevin Randall. For nearly 30 years, I have been investigating the case of the Roswell UFO. I have interviewed hundreds of people and stood on the crash site. 
Now, in Roswell in the 21st century, I have reviewed dozens of hours of audio and videotaped interviews, examined hundreds of files that relate to the crash, and have returned to Roswell in an attempt to put all that information into the proper perspective. For the first time in Roswell in the 21st century, I have made a dispassionate reevaluation of all that material and provide a new look at what happened. This is a book that clears away all the clutter that has hidden the truth for so long, strips away the various lies that surround the case, exposes the Air Force attempts at cover-up, and found a core of solid information that tells us all where the case stands today. Roswell in the 21st Century will be available in just a few weeks. For more information, please visit my website at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. Welcome back, everyone. Brandon Callahan is our special guest this hour. If you'd like to uh, send us an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com or right here to the studio, exxon, I'm sorry, studio at exxonradiotv.com and on all social media sites, TV. Brandon is the author of two books, The House Where Evil Lurks and his new book, The Agony That Remains. And uh, Brandon, first of all, thanks very much for coming on. Congratulations on your new book. Tell us about it. Of course, anytime. I appreciate it. Um, you know, it, it's it's so different than the first. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how enjoyable it is to have this story finally out there. Um, I worked with several different people uh, over the course of over five years down in Oklahoma at a location that two brothers owned, uh, fairly large piece of property mm-hmm. and it's in Tahlequah, Oklahoma, the northeast corner uh, and that so happens to be where the Trail of Tears ended. Um, a lot of people aren't very well educated on the Trail of Tears uh, mainly because it was a horrific and despicable act by the U.S. government um, basically walking tribes of Native Americans oh, gosh, from the yeah. east towards the middle of the country, and thousands and thousands of people died a horrific death. Um, so needless to say, it's not really taught in your regular history class. Of course not. Um, We're the good guys. But Yeah, exactly. They, they, they love us all. Mm. Um, so anyway, I, I got to know these guys and, and really several people down there that, that initially we really had to gain trust with each other, you know, the Native American community, rightfully so and justifiably so, doesn't often invite, you know, the white Irish guy from Kansas City down to hang out, you know, and, and tell tell me their life story. Um, and so we, we kind of got to know each other. We, we got to, you know, they learned about my life. Mm-hmm. I learned about theirs. And there was a lot of give and take, and we had to build up a, a real solid level of trust and at this point, they're more like family than anything to me. I mean, it's been over five years, and, and they're, you know, we're all very close. Um, it's been a life-changing experience for sure. Um, initially, it was part of my research with ley lines that took me down there. A buddy of mine and, and I were just going on a road trip. We were going to drive down from Kansas City down to New Orleans and back, and we were just going to investigate places and interview locals and things of that nature, and we wanted to document as much as we could. Right. Um, but this place in Oklahoma really stole the show. It was um, absolutely incredible. Just from the stories we were told, 
um, again, I, I had to be very careful because just in our initial walkthrough of the place, the the just the sheer amount of outrageous stories that I was being told would would just literally bend your mind and. Um, I had to keep that skepticism. I had to, I, I didn't, I, I wasn't going to judge. I wasn't going to say, no, you've got to be full of it. But, but at the same time, I had to be very careful not to just get completely drawn in because, you know, you're hearing about aliens and UFOs, little people, Bigfoot, demons, ghosts, uh, you skinwalkers, shapeshifters, you're hearing about everything. You know, you, you open up the paranormal dictionary, mm-hmm. and they're, it's almost as though they're going page by page saying, yeah, we've got that, and we've yeah. got one of those. And, and so it was, it was difficult. Um, but the more, you know, that first night that we spent down there investigating, I was so blown away with just the insane amount of activity from, from three hours before the sun went down all the way through the night, it, it was just nonstop, and it was phenomenal. I, I've never experienced a night like that. And and as we kept going back down there, just time and time again, it would just produce, and it would be something different every single time. And it was almost, it was very strange, because almost everybody involved had has a story now of something visual that they just simply can't comprehend, myself included. And and so th- these things down there, wh- whatever you're dealing with, and I believe you're dealing with an awful lot, you know, the story ranges, and, and this is one of the hardest things about telling this story, was to try to keep it under control, because there was so much going on, and I didn't want to overwhelm the reader with just, you know, blasting them with one thing after another after another but to be honest with you that's kind of how it was oh my gosh um so it was kind of this controlled chaos Mm -hmm. of writing and you know but again just having experienced some of these things that when they initially told me about they would tell me these stories and i would say there's just no way um but the more and more we experienced the more and more we just started to just kind of let it go we just kind of said you know, this place is just different. It, it's just different than any place we've ever been um, on so many different levels. And and some of the experiences, like I said in the beginning, were just completely life-changing. I mean, I, I hardly use the word impossible anymore just simply because I don't believe it. I don't, you know, I don't believe the word impossible. I, I think, I think just about anything is possible at this point. Um and so, the, you know, the story, we, we wanted to focus on the history because I find it disgraceful and shameful, you know, not only of what was done to these people that really caused a lot of this negativity and this, the energy that's, that's so palpable down there uh, with these people. Um, I wanted to just be straight. You know, people look at these founding fathers of the United States as almost like godlike figures when in fact many of them were horrific people yes they were um yeah and and so i i didn't want to sugarcoat that as a matter of fact there's parts of the book that it's very in your face um that you know andrew jackson is one of the worst human beings that i have ever studied 
uh, and that's just fact uh, in his words and his actions. Uh, but he's on the $20 bill. Mm-hmm. And down there, most places, if you throw a $20 bill down to pay for your gas, they're going to hand it right back to you. Really? And they're going to say, go break that somewhere else, you know? And and I get it. And at first I didn't. I had to I had to start to understand. And, and over the course of time, I was able to, or at least to an extent. I, I certainly don't figure myself to be an expert. But, but you know, things like that do affect your whole life because you just see it from another mm-hmm. perspective and when you start to accept that it becomes very real and it becomes a part of your life and so you know i carry these lessons and i, I carry these experiences with me everywhere i go and every day and and so for me you know it, it the activity was like nothing i've ever experienced or seen before but it was almost secondary to the, just this this tragic but incredible experience and story of these people. Um, and again, I, I was very excited because I've I've always had this this real need to study ley lines. I I, I think they are very key in the study of paranormal research, yeah. and this place is just right on top of several intersecting lines and it felt to me that it was just a culmination it was kind of the perfect storm of circumstances that kind of led me down there and i've always felt like the big cases the the cases that kind of take on a life of their own they do have a tendency more to find me rather than the other way around something i've never understood is i I agree with you that history lies through its teeth, basically. You know, oh, yeah. we're, we're still teaching kids in school today that Christopher Columbus discovered the Americas when it was actually the right. the Vikings. But I have never understood... Right. Well, Christopher Columbus well, never stepped foot on the United States ex- Exactly, exactly. But something that there, I... There is absolutely nothing documented anywhere yep. that he ever put one foot on these, on these grounds here in the United States. Yeah, you know, but when we look at the, the, the Trail of Tears, for example... Here you've got the Westerners from Europe come to this land that they didn't own, basically over a number of years er, nearly eradicate the entire Native American and Native Canadians. And I I remember as a kid watching Cowboys and Indians, and I'm trying to figure out why... The cowboys are the good guys when they've invaded the land and are stealing the land from the Native Americans. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, history well, just doesn't make it, sense. You do. Yeah. It, it, well, and I, as I was growing up, just like you, you know, the Lone Ranger. Oh yeah. And, you know, I, I was always extre- very into the the westerns yeah. and, and everything else. Me and my brothers played cowboys and Indians sure. all the time. Um, but you're absolutely right. You know, the the thing was that when it came to the land itself, mm-hmm. you know, I think there was, you know, of course there was a resolve with the immigrants to make this country their own yes. and damned be the king or queen or whomever might want to control them. Um, and I, and I get that, and, and mm-hmm. they had to be strong people. They were very strong people, and you have to you have to look at it from the perspective of the time. 
you know, at that time, the harder people were the more successful people. The, you know, the, the more violent people, the, the tougher people, they were the ones that would thrive. And, and, and now, you know, in a lot of ways, it's almost the opposite. Uh, you know, there's so much of this going on. We certainly don't want to get political, but but there's just so much going on that, you know, but when you look back at these original immigrants that came over and then you look at it from the perspective of the natives where they they were just who they were. Mm -hmm. They they were one with their land. They, They loved each other. They loved what their creator gave them with the trees and the grass and the fruits and the vegetables and everything else and and this knowledge that they had and they didn't need all these laws you know they they didn't need a law saying if you kill somebody you're going to jail well because they just didn't kill each other and it, it just wasn't a thing now, granted, the tribes would war with one another. I mean, there'd always be feuds, and then they would have their skirmish or whatever it might be, and everybody would move on. Yeah. Whereas here, there was this mentality of total domination. Once they kicked back England, you know, back over the pond, then it was, okay, now it's ours, and these other people are just in the way. And we're talking about numbers in the millions uh, over the course of time. Mm-hmm. You know, the Native Americans, the, the deaths, the murders, the, you know, the tragedy, we're talking about in the millions. I mean, that, that, is, that is staggering. And, and even now you're seeing stories about on tribal lands, the water is being, you know, just, well, it's, it, it's, it's not usable. You know, yeah. they, they can't drink it. They can't use it on their crops. They can't. And and this is okay because we need a pipeline or something, and 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 it's it is so tragic. It is. it is so insane, and it doesn't get nearly the attention that it should. Just on a human level, I agree you with know? you, my friend. Yeah, everywhere we look right now is about equality and human rights and mm-hmm. everything else. But at the same time, we still segregate each other. We still judge each other. We still attack each other, and there, there's not a group of people that will just sit and take care of each other and look for solutions rather than try to conform everybody to their own agenda. And, and so that's a lot of what this was about. Um, and so it did. It really got to me in my heart and soul. You know, because I, I do have a little bit of Cherokee blood in me from generations past, but I, I've always just had that that natural interest in in that that natural side of our being. You know, the trees and the the air and just the resources that are just here for us that we abuse so grotesquely. Um, and, and so th- this felt like the perfect project for me. Um, and I, I'm, I'm extremely excited because here, I, here pretty soon, I'm hoping I kind of get the green light to let the details come out. But, but we actually did film for a new show that's going to air this fall on uh, Travel Channel. Um, actually, no, I'm sorry. This one would be on uh, – th- there's a different one that will be on Travel Channel. But this one was on uh, – will be on History Channel. 
and it's a very fascinating new concept of a paranormal show and one of their episodes is actually based on this book and so and it was really cool because when they had the camera crew there a lot of the stuff that we were talking about during the interviews just mm-hmm. started happening. Oh, it wow. was so cool. Yeah, it, it was one of those things like you, you know you know what you've experienced yep. and you try to relay the information as best you can, but at the same time you know you know that most of these people, especially guys that are just getting paid to carry a camera, mm-hmm. you know, they're thinking, well this guy's just full of you know what. And and I get that and I'm totally cool with that. But then when you see the look on the faces, when things start popping, it, it's to me, that was that was a pretty fun experience. That that was pretty neat. Um, and so, uh, but, but this will be really cool. And I, I'm hoping here in the next, well, hopefully here in the next week or two or, you know, a few weeks, uh, we'll be able to kind of tell everybody when and, and what. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's just a new thing, and I, I think the marketing is going to start any time now um and it should air in october uh kind of you know the halloween thing excellent so so tell me how would a viewer with all the different reality and i'm putting reality in air quotations here all the different reality paranormal programming that is out there how do they how do they tell what is real and what isn't because i've seen a few of these shows and it's nothing else but a bunch of television hype Mm -hmm. well you know the first thing you have to understand even when you turn it on Mm -hmm. is that you know cable companies need ratings and when you're talking about ghosts and you're talking about the paranormal the only thing that's going to get ratings is quote-unquote evidence right because you know frankly nobody wants to watch an hour-long show where nothing happens i mean that's just you know, that, that's just the way that it is, and, and it's totally justified. Um, but I think what you need to do is you have to take the approach of take something educational from it, um, you know, whether or, or a new tactic, a new investigation tactic. Mm-hmm. I do believe that they, they show you really cool stuff. You know, the, the, the equipment is really neat, mm-hmm. but you have to learn how it's used and how it works. Um, and understand that most of us can't afford most of it. Um, and so that's kind of cool, seeing someone with a budget be able to try to implement some new technology into the field. You know, how legitimate the, the rewards or the evidence are, you know, that's up for debate. But I, I think for me, because I did, I got hooked like like so many people. I got hooked on all these different shows. But when I look back at it, the ones that really, truly hooked me were the ones with a personal touch to it. You know, um, like, for example, I think my favorite paranormal show of all time was a show called Paranormal State. Oh, yeah, sure, um, yeah. You know, it was a half-hour show. Mm-hmm. It was on, you know, for quite a few seasons, and it was so fantastically done because they didn't, they didn't lay back looking for and presenting evidence all that often. Every now and again, something weird would happen. They'd document it and they'd present it. Mm-hmm. But this was about the people. It was about the yeah. people they were trying to help. It was about, you know, spiritual. It was, it was about trying to understand um, what was going on in these homes and at these places. And for me, that was, 
that was the cream of the crop. I mean, that because to me, that's what it's all about. Um, now, granted, if we can document the the existence of a of a ghost right. or whatever it might be, you know, that would be just phenomenal. That and, would be and the of cat's course, meow. That's what every sure. investigator wants to do. But but in the end, we can't forget what truly matters. So so, after nearly talking to you for an hour now, you know, y- you are beyond a shadow of a doubt, way more than a paranormal investigator and author. You're also a historian. You're an educator. And you're a communicator. These are three qualities that I believe either make or break someone who claims to be a paranormal investigator. And you have all three. And paranormal investigators like yourself keep history alive, which is commendable. Well, I appreciate it, Rob. That's very kind. I mean, I, you know, I, I, and my wife has told me before, you know, I, I, I rarely do the pat myself on the back sort of a thing, but yep. I'm, I'm really passionate, you know, I'm really passionate about what I do. To be honest with you, I'm, I'm not much of a public speaker. I, I don't like it much. Um, but when it comes to this topic and, and this, you know, this subject, yep. I'm I'm wide open. It and that's one of that's why I am so I guess dedicated to it. I mean it's not as though I'm rolling in a bunch of money, you know, because of it, but I'm so dedicated to it because it's just this this internal passion that I've always had. You know, and it's like most people expect me to tell them I got into this field because, you know, the demons came into my house and everything else. But that really wasn't the case. I mean, I did have some, you know, some personal experiences I couldn't really explain, which kind of, I guess, tipped me over the edge of of saying, you know what, I'm going to go out there and see what I can find. But it's always been there. You know, I've always just felt like I needed to do this. And you're right. History, to me, is, is something that is so precious and unfortunately so twisted in in <laughs> the idea that my kids are going to grow up being told the same lies that you and I were it it infuriates me and so i i refuse to do that i want to go out there and i want to tell stories that you might not otherwise know and that's that's the beauty of this new book in in the agony that remains you're going to be told a story it's not going to be pleasant but it's going to be true and it's going to be something that, no, your, your history book will not tell you that story. Absolutely not. Your teacher wouldn't tell you even behind closed doors because it was horrible. But it was factual. And, and sometimes in history, we have to deal with the dark past in order to not repeat it in the future. But when you ignore it and you sweep it under a rug, that's when you have a problem. That is so true. Listen, we've got about we've got about four minutes left. What are your final thoughts tonight for the Exxon Nation and those who may be considering becoming a paranormal investigator, just like you? You know, I I, I always I encourage people to do as much reading mm-hmm. and real research, and even talk to different investigators, even before you go out to do an investigation. You know, find out the pros and the cons. Understand that sometimes what you wish for, you may get in spades. You know, it's not, it, it's very much not like it's on TV. Um, and so I think people need to be very straight about that. 90% of the time we're out there investigating, to be completely honest, the investigation itself is quite boring. 
Yeah. Um, you're not going to just walk into every single place you go to and have things start flying off shelves. It just doesn't work that way. Um, and so to me, I think, you know, if you're serious about doing it, I, I would tell you to make a plan, a full-on, almost like a business plan. It's exactly what I did before I started investigating, and I think it's paid off. I had a big picture in mind, and mm -hmm. I knew it was going to take years. But everybody wants this immediate gratification in, in today's world. And, and if you do that, I, I think you're going to find yourself on the wrong path. But you have to find your passion, whether it's history or whether it's UFOs or Bigfoot or whatever it might be. And I think you need to just learn as much as you can and then talk to people that have been doing it and really, you're going to be able to judge these people. You're going to be able to tell this person's legit or this person's a quack, you know, or whatever <laughs> it might be. It's not that hard. It's actually quite obvious. And so, but I would say even before you ever step foot out there to actually do an investigation, I'd say learn as much as you can before you do and have goals in mind and work towards them. Um, you know, I, I didn't even know I was writing a book when I was writing the first book. I just took extensive notes after every single investigation we did, mm -hmm. and then it just so happened someone gave me a little bit of a nudge, and it turned into a book. Now, this second time around, I knew this project was going on, and it was very, very carefully thought out and, and put together. And so, but for me, that has been part of my goal. And eventually, I want a couple books with, with documentaries. That's what I would like to do. Um, and so I think you just you set your personal goals and don't deter. You have to be ready to first spend a lot of money of your own money. And second, you have to be able to understand you're going to be working your butt off if you're going to do anything meaningful. Listen, Brandon, again, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a great pleasure talking to you. Continued success. And uh, do me a favor, when you've got all the details about the show that you were telling us about that's going to be on the History Channel, get a hold of us. We'll get you back on so you can plug it. I will do. It's almost like we need a weekly session or something. Let's work on something, my friend. From everyone here, right, from everyone hey, here to you, my friend. Me. Hey, it's always a great pleasure. Take care of yourself, Brandon. Thank you. Bye-bye, but Exonation Brandon Callahan has been my guest this hour on Facebook, www.facebook.com, Callahan Author. Like I was saying, Exonation, here you've got Brandon Callahan. He is a paranormal investigator. He's an, he's an author, but he is also, after listening to this man for nearly an hour, you can hear his passion. You can hear his, his empathy. He is a historian. He is an educator. He is a commentator. And he's also a good guy because he's out there helping people. And that's what this world needs is more people like Brandon and other guests that we have on the Exxon uh, radio show who are willing to help. Because as I keep saying, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. I'll be back on the other side of this break with the news at the top of the hour as we continue here in the Exxon. Coming up next, a brand new feature here on the X-Zone, every two weeks, we bring on Ken Pfeiffer for the X-Zone UFO Report. My name is Rob McConnell. Whatever you do, don't go away. Ken Pfeiffer is my guest next hour here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. 